You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Today, we have Kyle Mitchell, an exceptional guest real estate investor out of Arizona, whose career is between real estate investing, but also um, joint venture, raising capital, and also the fund. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Thanks so much for being with us today, and I appreciate you taking the time. So, Kyle, your background is more about a multifamily right now. What was the beginning for you and what was the motivation to do the transition from single family to multifamily? Yeah, my, my um, initial uh, reason for getting into single family was to create passive income for myself um, as much as possible. And when I started getting into multifamily or single family, I found that it's very difficult to scale um, and it's not as hands-off as I would have liked it, but mainly for the scale reason. So I started purchasing those in 2010 Hmm. and then uh, stopped in 2013. I got up to about 10 houses and then I actually didn't invest in real estate for several years until I found multifamily. Um, And how I got into multifamily was that I was basically looking for an ulterior career, an alternate career. I was in the golf business before I got very tired of it. I was burned out and I was looking for something else. I just started Googling things online. I knew I liked real estate investing. I also had my real estate license. And so I just started Googling some things and that's, um, that came up and I found it online and I hired a mentor and um, 11 months after I hired him, I left my job to pursue this full time. That was about four and a half years ago mm-hmm. uh, and have been doing that ever since. Okay, great. So what is your current market and what is your target market right now on multifamily? Yeah, the Arizona markets, essentially Phoenix and Tucson are our markets. Um, and I actually moved from California to Phoenix just uh, for the sole purpose to to grow our business out here. I think that the, the market is similar a little bit. There's a, like a, a lot of net immigration from, especially from California, San Francisco to Phoenix, whereas many, many of the big organizations making this transition, like Google and Microsoft and Amazon, I think in Phoenix. Yeah, a lot of jobs coming in and a lot of people moving here, right? In Arizona, we have 300 people moving here every day. Um, And then, uh, you know, it being a more pro-business state, the way it's structured, we are seeing a lot more companies come in, larger companies, tech jobs, uh, especially. And so that's great news for the market. Okay. So what was the major upside for you to choose Phoenix, especially? Uh, especially that the, the, the major markets now is more the South states like Texas and Florida and Tennessee. So what was the major upside for you to choose Arizona or especially Phoenix? Yeah, yeah a couple of things there. I mean, number one, uh, my, my first market that I picked was actually Columbus, Ohio. And this is actually when I had a full-time mm. job. And so one of the things was proximity. Um, and then um, availability, meaning when I would call brokers and try and find deals, I would do it after I got off work. And by then they're three hours ahead. And so they were closed. Hmm. Uh, if I traveled to, uh, Ohio during my full, while I had my full-time job, I had to go for two or three days just because of the travel schedule. I can fly back and forth from Arizona, get there at 7 AM, come back at 10 at night and get a lot of work done. So proximity was one reason, not the main reason, but one, Another one was just market fundamentals, right? Job growth, wage growth, pro-business, landlord-friendly, mm-hmm. uh, building out infrastructure, jobs, mm-hmm. things like that. And Arizona has all those things going for it. 
Um, and so, you know, taking a look at that, even in Phoenix, they're building out new freeways, more infrastructure, jobs are coming here. They have a solid 10, 20, 30 year plan. Whereas in 08, you know, they didn't have that plan. And that's why they got hit pretty hard in the recession um, because they were fully reliant on construction jobs. So job diversity was another reason why we liked this market. Can you a little bit uh, uh, elaborate about how you started to scale your business after your first deal, after um, the support of the mentor back to 2017? How you formalized your system and did you have a, uh, already an actual active partnership with other people? Like what was the actual structure you did back to 2017 and 18? Yeah, it's been a lot of testing, you know, and uh, there's no right way to scale a business. There's no um, perfect blueprint, I guess I would say. Um, you know, at first we were bootstrapping it, my wife and I, and uh, we were kind of doing everything. Um, and then after a while, uh, you get to meet different people in the industry and we partner on certain deals. Um, and now I'm part of Vertical Street Ventures where, you know, we've got um, I've got two other partners, uh, so there's three of us, and then um, we've got an infrastructure around us. We've got an asset manager, construction manager, um, you know, executive assistants, things like that, that are starting to build around uh, our company. But it's uh, it's testing things, it's doing things one by one. You know, when you look at how we've scaled, everyone looks at kind of overnight success, but it's been over the course of five years that we've been building this out. Um, so it's just really consistent progress and making those small, small leaps every month. I think this is a major issue here that the benefit of uh, partnering with active partner, but the right way to basically complete each other. So how you um, manage to find your partner and what you were looking for when you're looking for partners to complete your skill set, basically? Yeah, so the way I met my partners was by going to local meetups. I actually met my partner at a meetup that we hosted mm-hmm. um, and he was attending and we happened to you know, talk a little bit and mm-hmm. I found out he was also investing in the Phoenix market. We asked him to speak at our meetup and then we mm-hmm. started looking at deals together and kind of that's how it, how it transformed there. Um, and then we added on another partner um, a little bit later, but uh, it's just relationship building. It's getting mm-hmm. to know people's strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, I'm really strong on kind of the asset management and underwriting side. Um, Steve is strong on the capital side. And mm-hmm. then Jenny is very strong on the operational side, but integrating uh, systems and processes as well. So we all work very well together um in in scaling our business okay uh what was uh, for you right now especially with uh, i think one of the major thing about phoenix is that the price burden is a little bit high compared to other markets uh, but as you mentioned the fundamental is strong especially after what happened in 2008 i think one of the most impacted uh, market on for the in for the recession back to 2008 was phoenix because it was it just was a one side game uh, the whole economy was based on construction, but right now, as you mentioned, the actual market fundamentals change. But um, how do you see uh, the market um, uh, fundamental now, and how you see the impact of inflation and uh, the interest market and the interest rate on your current market right now? Yeah, interest rates impact impacting everyone, right? The first thing yeah. I look back to is how are our market fundamentals? So take first the interest rates aside, mm-hmm. is there job growth? 
you know, where's unemployment at, uh, what's vacancy at, is there in that migration, is there wage growth, which is extremely important, is wage growth keeping up with the rank growth, uh, infrastructure, long-term planning, all those things, like I mentioned before, those are still in place. And so the market fundamentals here are still very strong. And the supply and demand imbalance is another thing. There's not enough housing in the B and C class space hmm. to put even everyone that lives in this state now. And with 300 people moving here a day, the shortage is only getting worse. And so with that being said, you know, uh, interest rate hikes and inflation are definitely affecting the industry. And you've just got to educate yourself and, and kind of keep your finger on the pulse. You know, every day we're looking at what's happening um, and utilizing that information to make better decisions, right? We can't predict what's going to happen in the future, uh, but we can educate ourselves on a daily basis, talk to local experts um, and other people in the industry to, to get an idea of, of their sentiment and, and where things are going. So uh, just daily constant education on what's going on in the market, keeping a pulse on it. 100%. Uh, you mentioned something about uh, education and educate yourself. Uh, back to when you started the multifamily business, uh, what was the impact of having a mentor uh, with you on the beginnings uh, of your career on multifamily? What was the big influential uh, role of your mentor in your career so far? Sorry, can you repeat that? I'm saying, what was the influence? Was the influence of your mentor in your real estate career? How your mentor mentor was like um, was uh, his impact on your decisions on the beginning of your multifamily real estate career? Yeah, having a mentor is key, and I I wouldn't have been able to get in this business without a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he impacted me greatly, and he gave me the not just the the skills and the education, but also help my mindset change. I mean, when you first get started, if you've never done anything this big, you're thinking, oh, I can't buy a 30, $40 million apartment building. Um, And while you can, you just need to educate yourself and learn and surround yourself with other people who are doing what you want to be doing. And that's exactly what we did. But, you know, having that mentorship changed my life because without that mentorship, if I wouldn't have found it that day on Google, who knows where I'd be, but I don't think I'd be in multifamily right now. And so, um, mentorship is a huge, uh, I, I'm a huge believer in mentorship and I think everyone should have a mentor in, in every area of their life. hundred percent. I, I like what you did, to be honest, is uh, starting on steps. And one of the big steps I think for you was writing a book, I think was, um, with another author, uh, where, where do you started to say like, okay, uh, uh, writing a book is going to be a good step in my, uh, my career. Yeah, so that was a quite an undertaking and the timing was right for us. You know, mm-hmm. COVID just hit, we were on lockdowns, uh, mm-hmm. we had hit pause on acquisitions. And so there was not a ton going on other than manage our, managing our current assets and making sure that they were doing okay, which they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a natural progression. So, you know, we didn't start with writing a book. The first thing that we did was we started a meetup. Uh, and then we had our meetup for four or five months and felt comfortable with that as we were growing. And then we started a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then a couple months later, we started another podcast and another meetup, you know, and then, mm-hmm. you know, two years in after doing that and doing some online events, we decided to write a book because 
uh, there was a gap in the market where, you know, no one was talking about asset management. I believe asset mm. management is really the key to success in this business. Mm. Um, you know, you're, when you're buying apartments, you're buying multi-million dollar businesses. Um, mm. And to get the best efficiencies out of them, you have to manage them. And mm. so that wasn't being talked about very much. And it was something that, uh, like I said, we found a gap in the market and felt like people should pay more attention to that specific niche. Can you talk about your book more, little bit, a bit more about what was the actual main um, structure of the book and um, more what is uh, covered for the asset management part? Yeah, so it covers asset management in every aspect and it's called Best in Class. And it's, it's a book written to be able to kind of flip to any chapter, depending on where you are in your investing career or, or mm-hmm. at your business plan and get some more information on that. So if it's reviewing financials, if it's managing the manager, even disposition, you can just flip to that mm-hmm. uh, chapter and um, uh, learn about that specific uh, uh that specific subject. So uh, I believe there's 16 or 17 different subjects that we kind of cover um, in, a, in the asset management um, side of things in that book. 100%, 100%. As the name of the book, I think is uh, Master of the Class. Uh, best in Class. Best in the Class, okay, good. good. Uh, regarding your uh, real estate deals, can you tell us what was the biggest deal so far you did? The biggest deal, so the number of units, the biggest deal is 252 units, The uh, but that one wasn't the largest in dollar amount. The largest we've done is about 40 million. Okay. Uh, it was again in, uh, for, uh, okay, for 52 units, 40 million. Uh, 252 units, but that was 28 million. Um, oh, and then okay. we're right now closing on one this month. That's 232 units. That's 40 million. Different markets. We do have one property in Texas. Uh, it's not our core market, but we have some partners out there hmm. who are boots on the ground and have a portfolio out there that we partnered with. So um, what was the upside of uh, this deal? Like uh, um, cash, it was like a, uh, buy and hold or bear strategy or what was the actual um, type of the property? Yeah, all of our strategies are value add strategies. So we mm-hmm. look for really two things. Number one, uh, an operational inefficiency, whether it's that's property management or the current owners not putting money back into the property mm-hmm. uh, and then rents that are below market because of those things. So they kind of tie hand in hand, but we look to recapitalize the properties, put in a few million dollars, get them, get the deferred maintenance under control, uh, put in uh, professional third-party property management, and then upgrade the facility and make it really a better place for our residents to live. Okay. Okay. Right now, I think uh, the uh, value-add strategy is going to be tough a little bit with a new added uh, interest rate. Uh, it's not. It was not popular, to be honest, on, on early 2000. It was popular on on two, it started from 2010 because of the interest rate, but um, we'll see what's going to happen on the market uh, regarding. Um, because right, right now, as you mentioned, you're working on plus $20 million deals. What was um, a starting point for you for raising capital? And uh, uh, like, what, what was your first assignment to raise capital when you started? How much you raised? Yeah, so my main focus has always been the core operator. So we're the main mm. sponsor on all of our deals, but we do also raise our own capital. So the first deal, we started smaller. You know, it was a 42-unit deal in Tucson that was $1.7 million. We mm. raised a uh, million dollars on it. Mm. And then our second deal, which was actually much larger, was $15 million. Mm. Uh, we raised... Um, six million dollars on that one Hmm. uh and then we went down and did a 
a $13 million deal, then a $9 million deal. And then that's when we kind of went above 20. So there was a natural progression there mm -hmm. to make sure you're not just starting at 30 million where you need to raise 10 to $15 million, uh, which is much more difficult to do, especially when you're starting out, you know? So uh, first deal we raised a, a million dollars on. Oh, okay. Okay. So all of the structure is more about fund or syndication? We do uh, single asset syndications. Single assets. Okay. Okay. Uh, is, is, is there any uh, plan to move to the fund uh, fund model as, or more for, for you is like more appealing to focus on the syndication model? Yeah, great question and interesting timing. We are looking at um, potentially introducing a fund in the beginning of 2023. It's not been decided yet. There's some positives and negatives to both sides of it, right? And really it comes down to what our investors want mm -hmm. and what the capital we have uh, wants. And I, I'd say right now, some want the fund and some want the single assets. And so we're still kind of going through the process of deciding what we're going to do. So as of today, we're mm -hmm. only doing single assets. Okay. So for the listeners, uh, what is going to be your advice or couple of action item to start raising capital on, on multifamily? Especially that you, you did a lot of when you start, you did a podcast, uh, you write a book, you had a lot of meetups, um, already you bought a lot of deals. But what was that actual um, main action is really help you to progress your, your way to raise capital? Yeah, well, number one is getting a team, right? So I am not the only person on our team for Vertical Street that raises capital. All of us kind of raise capital who are partners in this company, but mm -hmm. also finding someone who's strong in that. That's not my strong suit, right? My, my strong suit is really the underwriting acquisitions piece. Mm -hmm. uh, and Steve, our partner, is really strong in capital raising. So having someone on your team that really thrives in that position, uh, number one. And then number two, you know, when we started having events, uh, live events, online events, we were able to um, uh, attract a lot of people, you know, on our online events, we had 2000 people. Hmm. Um, and that allowed us to then, you know, be in be at the front of the table in front of 2000 people. And so having those events have been a huge benefit to being able to raise capital for sure. 100%. Let me jump to the fun question, how you can define your superpower? Uh, my superpower is just consistency. Honestly, it's it's a boring uh, superpower, but one of the things in in any business is uh, being consistent over a long period of time, and that's when you're going to see success. You know, a lot of people can get started and be consistent for 30, 90, you know, 120 days, but in this business, it's about being consistent over a very long period of time, and I mean years and decades. And that would be my superpower. Hundred percent. Uh, like all of us on multifamily, we started with uh, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, and Brandon Turner books and uh, Joe Furless. What was uh, really a game changer book for you, uh, help you to understand more about multifamily? Multifamily, I would actually say the Joe Fairless syndication book. Sure. I just think that's got a lot of detail. The thing that actually changed my mindset to start looking to get out of my W-2 job into something where, you know, I can kind of control my time was um, the cash flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. So I did read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but cash flow quadrant really spoke to me more and changed my mindset for sure. 100%. I think one of the things also for us uh, is handling objection. So what was, um, you mentioned that this is not your focus anyway, anyway, but do you remember any situation you had a really fun situation with uh, investors 
and you remember how you handled his objection about investment or your investment strategy? Um, you know, as we work with larger um, family offices and investors, you know, you get more into the institutional capital world where they really dig into your underwriting. And so um, I don't know if I have a specific example, but just that alone has helped educate us on, on deal structures and how to become stronger at positioning a property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of our properties are performing great, but it's also the story that you tell behind the properties that's important when you're raising capital. Um, but uh, every investor, you, you can't make every investor happy, right? One, one wants cash flow, one wants uh, overall return, one wants monthly distributions, the other wants quarterly. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. And, mm-hmm. and the goal in capital raising is to understand what the investor's pain points are. Uh, and try and talk them through those pain points on how you can help them. You mentioned right now that you're more focused on family family offices and institutional uh, banks or for raising capital. So when you started to do this, I think that everyone has started with a qualified investor and then accredited investor. But for you, you move to the next step, which is basically family offices. When you started to do this, and what was the upside for you to move to move to deal more with? family offices versus uh, accredited investors. Yeah, and we do do both, right? So even yeah. on a deal that we're closing here soon, we're going to be working with both. Um, but um, it's definitely just um, as we grow and scale, we need to raise more money, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you need to raise $20 million, is it easier to work with a family office who can bring a check for five to 10 million and then just raise the rest from accredited investors or the full 20 million, right? You're gonna need a lot more investors to do that. And so we're doing kind of a hybrid blend where we have a mix of investors and family offices so that we can raise those higher amounts. As we get up in the in the pricing, I mean, pricing obviously is inflated, uh, but we are also trying to get into that 250 plus unit space. And we're talking about much larger checks that are needed there. So you need to kind of adapt with that and think of new strategies and structures that can help you get there. And that's that's why we started to move into that family office space a bit. And, and to be honest, we're going through our first one right now. Okay. Uh, what is uh, your uh, next three years plan, especially with inflation coming over? Uh, what is yeah. uh, your next uh, three years plan? Our next three years plan is number one, make sure our assets are, our current assets are taken care of and we're managing those the most efficiently um, because we have investor capital at work currently. Um, you know, we are bringing a lot of things in house to create better efficiencies, whether that be construction management, possibly property management, adding a COO to our company so that we can really be focused on our management. Hmm. Um, And then, you know, we're going to still continue to acquire, but probably be a little bit more picky as far as what we're, what we're looking for um, and the types of assets we're moving more into, I would say class B plus assets, um, newer assets that are not 50, 60 years old. Um, and then we also have an academy that we're growing right now where we help teach other people how to get started in the, uh, in the Phoenix market. And so it's about growing that as well. Okay. Um, my final question will be how the people can follow your success and have an access to vertical. I think uh, uh, we're uh, looking for you on, on social media. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn at Kyle Mitchell. And then also uh, our website has all of our information there. If you want to schedule a call with us at verticalstreetventures.com. 
thanks a lot for your time today. We're really happy about uh, about your uh, success, and we really uh, hope to bring you again to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot.